0: It's Showtime. Don't say it. Please, don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime! It's Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. I am your host, Show. Thank you for being alongside me. See? We're back in the studio again. Not too long after our most recent episode. Kind of fun, right? It really just means going to bed sooner and waking up earlier so you can get more things done while the sun is still in the sky. Um, However, I have not been doing that. That's just what people have told me. So uh, I'm really just operating on a severe sleep deficit these days. But you know what? It doesn't matter because it's fun, and I enjoy doing these. And again, I I enjoy being alongside you guys. So uh, I did mention this is a movie podcast. But of course, we're going to continue our breaking down Of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just call it Kenobi, although I guess it is called, like the show title is called Obi-Wan Kenobi based on the title card thing that pops up every time. Um, So of course, in the first couple of episodes, we learn that Obi-Wan is still living on Tatooine. In episode two, we meet the young Princess Leia. We meet Reva, who is one of the Inquisitors, who is For some reason, oddly obsessed with Kenobi while also getting into uh, scraps, I guess, let's call them, with her fellow Inquisitors, including the Grand Inquisitor, and uh, then we get a glimpse of Darth Vader at the very end. But here we are in episode three. There are only six episodes, six parts, let's call them, of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So this is our review, our reaction to the third part of that galaxy far, far away, Obi-Wan Kenobi. If nothing else, I think this episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think it has really driven home the point that in the 10 years that have passed since Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan really did not take Yoda's advice to heart, right? Yoda basically told him, hey, go into hiding, but still keep training, keep up your skills until the day you're needed, And maybe that's what Yoda is doing. I mean, we don't really know what he's doing on Dagobah, really. I mean, for the last, I guess by the time Empire Strikes Back gets around, it's like a little over 20 years, I guess, uh, thereabouts, right? I mean, we know because the the show tells you that it's been 10 years since the Revenge of the Sith to the episode one of this show. And then, you know, based on Leia and Luke's age, that it's probably another nine to 10 years, I would say nine years uh, until the beginning of A New Hope. So there's still nine years to go until you see a wizened Alec Guinness. And to be, it's pretty funny to think that Obi-Wan like Ewan McGregor in this show looks like Alec Guinness in just nine years. Like, I guess he does live on Tatooine where there are two sons. So I guess that does do something to age you. And I guess here's the other thing. Uh, Obi-Wan has not been keeping up with his training. So that sure shows, I think also because he has PTSD, the guy has PTSD or is depressed or is, or both or whatever. Right. So he has not been keeping up with his training, so when he does run into Vader for the first time, as we see, it is like he woefully underprepared. It's it does give some new, I guess, lend some credence to that line we talked about in the last episode, which was, you know, last time I left you. Now I'm the master, right? That whole thing from their 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 kind of sort of duel in uh in 1977 Star Wars, and again like. We've talked about this a lot just over the years, not just on this podcast, but the fact that the the state of lightsaber fighting at the time of that movie was just not very—it wasn't as choreographed. It wasn't really—it was more of a storytelling narrative device. One of the first times you're really seeing lightsabers in action, right? So I, I get it. It's not a huge deal. But you do kind of wonder why, if they have met before while they're doing that, I guess they're feeling each other out. But I, either way, I mean— you would think then that between this episode of Kenobi and the time we see them fight again in Star Wars, which later obviously was called The New Hope, then there's clearly one more fight, right? And I guess just from a—even if you've never seen Star Wars before, you would think that narratively, Obi-Wan facing Vader looking awful, you would think that he's going to come back and center himself. I'm sure we're going to either hear or see Liam Neeson's Qui-Gon Jin at some point. Um, again, I think they've alluded to it enough in those recaps, plus uh, you you hear him kind of reach out to, to Qui-Gon in his kind of whispering it to himself or in his mind or whatever. So I think there's something is going to happen, whether he talks to Yoda or whether he talks to Qui-Gon is not really sure, but I uh, I do think we're going to see that again. I also think that one of the interesting narrative devices of this episode is that when they get to this Mapuzo system, you see Obi-Wan see some kind of it's not a vision i guess he's just imagining what he thinks anakin would look like and you see hayden Christensen's face from a very far distance but you see hayden Christensen's face clo like cloaked i guess right with the robe over his shoulders and so on and i guess it occurred to me that that's what obi-wan would think of when he thinks of anakin he has i guess he has never seen what darth vader looks like i guess he's maybe he's only even briefly heard of darth vader but uh, he's he's not imagining this mechanized monstrosity. And then on Mapuzo at nighttime, in, in the night, you see uh, you see Darth Vader and in all his terrifying robot glory, cyborg glory, let's call it. And he is scary, right? And, and his first line to him is, "What have you become?" And the appropriate response from Vader, of course, is, "I am what you made me," which is, you know, what fair? That's a fair, fair, fair retort from Anakin slash Vader. Um, I guess it does kind of lend itself well to the idea that Obi-Wan was so taken aback and he's, he's he is scary looking, but also that he's become this like monster essentially, right? Because I mean, you the first time you see Vader in this episode, I mean, you, I guess you see him putting on, you get like the Iron Man style being assembled on the assembly line and then you see him talk to Reva in the, in the uh, hologram, but you don't actually see him in action until he gets to the planet and starts killing people basically indiscriminately. It's pretty wild. Uh, so I'm uh, I was pretty not shocked, but I was definitely pretty m- impressed they went there because he was very brutal. And I guess it just goes to show in any of the other Star Wars movies, you never really see Darth Vader do anything really like gruesome to inspire the reputation that he supposedly has, right? Like he just he you know like you would imagine he's doing this kind of thing the galaxy over, and here he is. He's only doing this for the very first time now, so. I guess it does drive the point home that Darth Vader is a bad guy. He is a bad person, evil. All those things are true because he just goes around killing indiscriminately because he knows it'll probably draw Obi-Wan out. Um, on the, on the other Darth Vader note, I did think that, uh, James Earl Jones's voice, and he was credited in this episode. So I guess that's James Earl Jones. Now, my concern with James Earl Jones is that he's he's old now, right? I mean, heck, he was he a, a couple of years ago. I mean, I guess this was in 2016 when Rogue One came out. When he did the voice of Vader for Rogue One, he sounded off, right? I don't think that's like a I don't think that's like a hot take or anything. I think most Star Wars fans or most people who just watch Star Wars would listen to that and think, man, he just sounded kind of frail, right? And I, it got me kind of worried because you think, oh boy, like is he is something happening to him? But then again, he voiced. Uh, he voiced Mufasa in the Disney Lion King reboot that Jon Favreau did a couple of years ago, and he sounded pretty good. And he was also in Coming to America 2, which, again, wasn't the greatest movie, <laughs> let's say that, but he, he sounded fine, right? So I kind of wonder if maybe Rogue One was an outlier and his, his uh, baritone voice that we're all so familiar with is just fine, maybe in a cold when he recorded Rogue One. Or you know what? There, was, there were some... Audio credits for some other companies, like re I forget what it was called, Re Speaker or Re Screecher or what have you. They're a pretty well-known company that does audio, you know, like a audio resequencing. Let's call it right, like audio remastering. And maybe they did a, a number on his voice. I know, like for example, they kind of did the same thing with Mark Hamill's voice in The Mandalorian in season. Well, I guess it would be in uh, in, in the Book of Boba Fett, which was essentially the Mandalorian season two point five, right? But if that's the case, then hey, you know what, that's fine. If James Earl Jones is fine with that, then okay. But he, hey, I will say, when Vader speaks in this show, it sounds perfect, and it doesn't sound out of place, and I was a little worried about that, and he sounds exactly as you would imagine him to sound. So that's pretty cool, because just as much as David Prouse is a part of Vader, and I, I, I guess Hayden Christensen to a degree, James Earl Jones, to me, is the is the epitome of whats what it is to be Darth Vader, right? So I am a big fan of that, and it sounded uh, it sounded very good. Um, I also really like the other kind of oddly the standout from this episode was uh, Ned 2 or Ned 1, whatever that loader droid was called. And uh, I got to say, I mean, first of all, it was nice that Leia was nice to the droid. And it was kind of funny that when those two stormtroopers kind of harassed the droid a little bit and then they decided to leave, you see the this guy hammer holding a hammer that droid was ready to like kill some stormtroopers like beat the crap out of some stormtroopers it's a good thing it didn't i mean i i'm they would have shot it dead or whatever but still like this this loader droid just getting ready to just you know beat the crap out of these two poor stormtroopers i thought that was oddly kind of funny because then he just menacingly holds the hammer the last time you see him Uh, Indira Varma's character Tala was kind of a nice addition too. I've always liked Indira Varma people don't remember her she's been in a lot of stuff I guess most recently she was in Game of Thrones if you remember that she was Pedro Pascal's um, I guess like his his wife or paramour i honestly it's been a while since i watched game of thrones and i'm never going to rewatch it because boy did that fall off a cliff but uh she was she was the one remember when he like dies when the when the the viper dies and she's like Aah! she's that was the that was of varma she's also in rome as a as a pretty interesting character as well which is another hbo show which is probably how she got cast in game of thrones right she's been in a lot of stuff over the years and uh it's pretty cool to see more people of color frankly in star wars especially brand people i gotta say kumail nanjiani now of varma yeah Please, give me more of these people. Um, speaking of people of color, of course, Reva is played by Moses Malone and that whole controversy about how she spoke out. I guess it was on her social media channels about how she's received lots of hate messages, racist hate messages. Now, look, it's one thing to say you don't like a, any character. And I do think personally a lot of hate, especially for characters who are either women or minorities, racial minorities, are, um, is rooted in a, a, a place – like an inappropriate place, let's say, because sexism and racism are is is wrong. Like you would think at this point in life, we would be at the we would be at a place where everyone would easily recognize that that hating someone because they're black or brown or Asian or whatever is just inherently wrong. But it's not honestly. If anything, the pandemic has shown me that the complete opposite is true. That most people are uh, giant a holes. So uh, yeah, look, if you. If you think that Reva is not a great character, that's your prerogative. But if you think she's bad because, simply because she's black or because she's a woman or all of the above, then you're not, a, you're not a real Star Wars fan. These are TV shows that have, like, aliens and from every walk of life and every planet. And I don't know. How, how could you possibly look to the future and say, this person is inadequate because they're black? And I see a lot of people saying... Ah well, Reva is is not good acting. I'm I'm okay to say that it's not good acting. This is the same series where we make fun of on a regular basis of people who say like I don't like sand; it gets everywhere, and I I I'm I'm in pain because I love you so much, and I kill them like animals. I, I realize I'm quoting all Hayden Christensen lines, but there are some there are some lines from Luke that are not so great in the original trilogy, right? There are some lines from Lando that are not so fantastic in the original. Trilogy. There are some lines in the sequel trilogy as well that are hammy as hell, right? And I don't know. I Star Wars has never been about the shining dialogue, right? I mean, if anything, like ninety eight percent of the prequels, big complaints apart from well, I mean, there is a lot of complaints I have with the prequels because they're not very good movies, but a lot of it is the dialogue and how stilted it is. And you are telling me that like this fine job that Moses Malone is going to be the breaking point for you. Like that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm sorry. If like, that's just not true. It's just not true. It's because it's coming from a place uh, that's, you know, racist and sexist and so on. And it just, you're not a, you're not a real star Wars fan. If that's where you're drawing the line, I'm sorry. That's just not, it's just not, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. So, but either way, I actually quite like Reva as a character because I think there's something else going on with her right I mean we see her touch the I guess it's the Jedi Order logo when they're in like the path um, which I guess is kind of like a like an underground railroad thing for Jedi but I thought it was interesting because she touches it and we don't see her a ton in this episode and, and I know there's a cliffhanger with her kind of meeting Leia at the end but at the same time it does kind of make you wonder. I mean, first of all, she's almost definitely going to die in this series, like we said before. I mean, she's a die via the Grand Inquisitor, Vader is killing her or Obi-Wan is killing her. Um, I almost wonder now if we might not see some kind of twist where you think she wants to kill Obi-Wan, but maybe she wants she is a part of the path, or she was. Or maybe she was a, one of the younglings that Tala talks about that you never see her hair from again. Maybe she like voluntarily gave herself up to the Empire because she was force-sensitive as a child. Maybe she was one of the Padawans on the run we see in, sees in very uh, scene one of episode one of this very show. I think there are a lot of ways they could go with Riva, and I think they're all super interesting, so I'm very much looking forward to that. I also thought it was cool that they uh, decided to specifically call out Quinlan Voss of course, Quinlan Vos, one of the more interesting Jedi, not just from the Clone Wars uh, cartoon, but from a lot of the expanded universe stuff. He's one of like the core kind of more badass Jedi, and I- I'm surprised they actually mention him by name because I guess you never really see what happens to him. So that's kind of cool. I, I kind of hope we see him in Kenobi. Or maybe that's opening the door for another Disney Plus TV show. Who knows, right? But I, um, I got to say, this episode was, uh, was very good. I love the little touch as well of uh, Obi-Wan and Leia. In that gross mole guy, Freck. God, alien. Some of these aliens, like you're, like I wonder, I wonder how they come up with the designs. He kind of looks like Mr. Rossetti from Animal Crossing, but also like not right. <laughs> he kind of like an, like a like a space Mr. Rossetti mole guy kind of. Anyways, um, Freck turns out Freck's a bad dude. He's gonna turn them in. So good for uh, good for uh, Obi wan for getting out of a you know shooting the probe droid right through the eye, which is pretty cool looking. Uh, and then of course um, get, getting rid of all the other stormtroopers and so on. But I got to say, the moment between Obi-Wan and Leia in the car thing, like in the cargo thing he was in that Freck was driving them in, uh, was pretty cool because it does show you some some residual sadness about Pad- Padme because, of course, Obi-Wan knew her and Leia clearly knows she's adopted, but... I don't know I find all that stuff very um, it's like a nice little touches here and there that I think make it feel so much more real and you see the the weariness and 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 weariness and pain so weary and weary and the kind of pain in uh, in Obi-Wan's eyes which I think is just another credit to um, to Ewan McGregor. Um, last thing too, can I just say that at the very end of the episode or right before the end when Obi-Wan is with Vader and Obi-Wan's kind of running around away from Vader. He doesn't want to face his former student, this monster that he essentially created. Um how do you possibly let Darth Vader sneak up upon you? Like how is that po- like um, how is that even physically possible is what I'm saying? Darth Vader first of all has the breathing thing as we all know, right? I mean first of all you would think that would signal his rival literally anywhere he goes. But forget that for a second. Even let's just say it's really loud, which it wasn't. Let's just say it was. The guy wears all black and then has a bunch of beeping, glowing buttons on his chest. The guy has like a bunch of red and green all over his chest. How is it possible that Obi-Wan's like, oh my God, there's Darth Vader hiding in the corner. That should not be possible. Obi-Wan... I think it's time for some glasses. No, but seriously, I th- I just think it was funny. I mean, you, I know they do it like because you're, you know, you want to some suspense and just f- watching a television show. You want to, oh my god, there's Vader, right? But at the same time, <laughs> it's just kind of funny that the how does he let him sneak up on him? I don't understand. It shouldn't be possible. But anyways, uh, Vader looks just as terrifying as the first time we ever saw him. James Earl Jones's voice sounds great. Apparently, it is Hayden Christensen in the actual suit, so it does make me wonder if we'll see flashbacks to live action Clone Wars stuff as we talked about or something. I mean, we're going to have to see Hayden Christensen as Anakin prior to becoming barbecued, Vaderified at some point, you would think, right? But anyways, if we don't, it's not the biggest of deals, but – um, I do. Uh, I do very much like the direction the show is going in. Definitely better than the Book of Boba Fett. And again, I credit a lot of this to Deborah Chow. She directed the first three episodes. It's a lot, and she directed the best episodes of the Mandalorian, like we talked about before. She is very talented. And I, you know what? At this point, I think I would be completely okay, much like I was with Ryan Johnson getting his own trilogy. And apparently, that's still happening. He's just making a bunch of Knives Out sequels for Netflix, and then I guess at some point in the like distant future but not like super far away future i guess uh he is gonna make a trilogy of movies i would kill to see a ryan johnson star wars trilogy i hope that happens still the taika waititi movie apparently the solo standalone waititi movie apparently is still coming out at the end of 2023 i would love to see something like a movie made by deborah chow i don't know if she's actually directed any movie projects before maybe just tv but given that we've seen Uh, Takeaway, I mean, I know Takeaway T.D. has done movies before, and I mean, he's an Oscar winner and so on, but I just, I think I would love to see Deborah Chow's take on a Star Wars movie. And I mean, look, we already know they've established a Star Wars story, right? Solo, a Star Wars story, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. They're going to make more Star Wars stories. And I know Patty Jenkins was slated to make that Rogue Squadron Star Wars story, which I hope still gets made. I don't know if it was officially canned or if it was just put on the back burner, but I would love to see that movie made. Um, And I would love to see Deborah Chow make it, make something as well, because she's incredible. And I think she's been a fantastic addition uh to, to the world of Star Wars because first of all, not enough minorities, not enough women in this in this industry of television and movies as it is, but specifically in sci-fi and then even more so in Star Wars, not enough people like that in that you know, in this in this franchise. So for them to be able to do that, I think it would be pretty cool. Bryce Dallas Howard is someone I would like to see get more um more looks i mean look maybe she got her job due to nepotism because she's ron howard's daughter and maybe that's how she became an actress in the first place probably right it's a happens a lot in hollywood but at the same time i think she has shown a a a unique ability to tell us a, a, a nice tale a talented View window into a Star Wars story that we all like. And again, she got her start with The Mandalorian. I wouldn't mind seeing her get a shot at it either, right? Anyway, so we'll see. I actually don't know if Deborah Chow or Bryce Dallas Howard are doing too many episodes for. The Mandalorian Season 3, I can't imagine Deborah Chow is because she's doing this, right, Kenobi, but um, I, I bet Bryce Dallas Howard is, but uh, maybe when she wasn't filming Jurassic World Dominion, which, of course, um, I'm going to go see in a couple of weeks, which is very exciting. But as far as Kenobi goes, this episode was great. The Quinlan Voss mention was pretty cool. Ned 2, the loader droid, was great. And, of course, seeing Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in the same scene was fantastic. That fire scene, by the way, at the very end, brutal, eh? Just super brutal. But, again, I, I think it's just leading up to Maybe in episode six, another final confrontation between Obi-Wan and Vader where Obi-Wan gets the best of him. Um, I do hope we see Yoda and or Qui-Gon because, I mean, that would be cool, right? That would be pretty cool. But who knows? Maybe we don't. But either way, I think... uh, the first three episodes and certainly episode three in particular obi-wan are really good but that does it for this episode of the showtime movie podcast the kenobi reaction for part three of this disney plus tv show we'll be back next week with more kenobi reaction you've been listening to the showtime movie podcast and instead of our usual ending we'll say this may the force be with you always may the force be with us all